Hello and welcome to the House of Rams podcast. We're using this format as a quick and easy way to find out what's going on at the club and hear direct from those running the show for us. We hope you enjoy this instalment. This podcast was recorded on Thursday the 10th of September 2020. Today we are joined by Rams or second team manager Kev Harmon. How are you doing today Kev? Yeah I'm really good today thank you Paul. Nice to be on. Excellent good to good to have you here. So um I know you've been around the club for a, a little while now, um, but uh, I think there's a few people out there that perhaps might not know who you are or might recognise your face from uh, around the club, but uh, would like to get to know you a little bit more. So let's start with some of those uh, sorts of things. What, what do you do for a living? Um, I work in advertising, actually. I work for a media agency up in London. I've been doing that uh, for about what, 15 years now. So, yeah, uh, left uni around a little bit, went did a bit of travelling, finally settled myself down and this is just the role that I fell into at the time and I've loved it ever since. It's been a great opportunity for me to expand my brain, learn new stuff and understand actually what advertising is all about. Obviously I think like a lot of people you see the adverts on TV or on the high street or in a newspaper. I never really understood how they got there until I got into this role and you realize there's actually a lot of planning and science and skill and technique that goes into getting these adverts out there so that when your mum or your wife or your significant other is out shopping in Tesco's and she chooses a certain brand of washing powder mm-hmm. why is she choosing that washing powder we're helping to try and influence that decision and it's something that when you get into it, it's actually so much more interesting than I ever realized. And as we're moving through uh, lockdown as it is at the moment, it's been a really interesting time for us because traditional consumption of TV, radio, it's all changed suddenly out of nowhere. We're all doing so much more online now, whether it's listening to music digitally, listening to a podcast like we are today, yeah. we're producing. Yeah everyone's doing something differently so it's really exciting for me to look at how we can move those advertising parameters to match people's ways of living now so it's really quite cool so you you mentioned washing powder um is that is that something you've been working on recently uh no 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 i think that's just one of the more general ones to try and think of i mean uh recently uh, the big ones I've been working on are National Theatre. So we just, okay. we've just had National Theatre as a client for about five years now. And obviously with lockdown, the whole of Theatreland across London has been shut. Mm-hmm. So it's a really challenging time for them to be able to keep themselves going as a business. So yeah. we came up with a, a new strategy for them. Something that had never been done before was to go out and to stream some of their um, historic performances online, put it out there, put it out on YouTube, push it out there for free to actually keep people recognizing the brand and giving something back to the nation. So you um, are responsible for the um, one bloke, two governors that James Corden... Uh, that's exactly did, the one. Yeah, pushed, that was it, pushed that out. So yeah, that's, I, I sat down with my boys to watch that in, in lockdown. And we laughed hysterically at it. It's brilliant. It's really, really, really good. It's yeah. really good. And off the back of the success of that, we've pushed out another 14 productions. So we've had um, 
Frankenstein with uh-huh. Benedict Cumberbatch and Johnny Lee Miller. We yeah, had, I, I watched. Uh, I watched that, but I couldn't get the boys into that. I was looking for something mm. funnier uh, that, that that they could uh, could enjoy. Um, it's a bit dark. It's a bit dark. I think the yeah. best one was probably the One Man, Two Governors. I think that was really yeah. good. It's like you, my son watched it with me, and he thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Very slapstick, very funny. Uh-huh. James Corden really likeable. I think multi-generations know who he is, so it was really good to work with that. Yeah. But that was really good, actually. We've just been entered for a couple of awards off the back of that campaign because it really did fit in with the tone of what's happening with lockdown uh-huh. and the fact that people were really desperate for some entertainment while they've all been at home and being able to give them something like that was a bit different to just being on your phone scrolling through facebook every day uh-huh. made a big thing for these people uh, that's why i think initiatives like you can't be here for where we're putting this podcast out to the members is great it helps remind people that we're here help them understand what's still going on in the background and also giving people a bit of hope and a bit of light to say that stuff is coming back. I think it's great with rugby that we're working through the stages and we're starting to see the players coming back all the way from the seniors back down to the minis being out for the first day on Sunday. It's brilliant to see that, but I think to keep shining those beacons so that people know it's coming, it's still there, is really good across all walks of life, not just for us at the rugby club. So I'm going to have to tap you up. Is there anything else that came out of that National Theatre that I should be watching? Or is it? Have they, were they only on there for a, a period of time? No, they're all still there. There's still a few. Uh, Fleabag is a really good one to get Fleabag. on. Is that still there? Fleabag, really, really good. That's, is that um, the pre-runner to the, pro, the TV programme? Exactly. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, so it's the same woman, same premise. She That's did it as good. the yeah. stage show first. Uh, and okay. now uh, it went on to the TV show. But yeah, it's there. It's her. It's absolutely brilliant i definitely uh-huh. recommend that one to get into that's probably my favorite that was on there um what's we had it and it was really good the frankenstein was good we also uh-huh. had hamlet with david oh the guy from doctor who i can't remember yeah with him as well uh-huh. if you like shape it's a very good one in that respect oh excellent thanks so i have to keep an eye out for that so with your um it's sort of media role. I'm sure you've got some ideas about some things that we could do at the club and uh, uh, how we could promote ourselves. You kind of alluded to it as we were talking there. Anything that jumps yeah. to mind? I think uh, the thing that could be a really, really good thing for us would be um, some like pre- and post-match commentary. I think it's fantastic that we always invite first-team captain at club lunch to come up and speak to all of the diners before they go out and play. But if the time could be found pre or post game to actually get some interviews in there, whether it be with Mike as the coach beforehand, his pre or post game analysis, a highlights reel. I know the first team always have their footage, their games videoed. So mm-hmm. we can pull out some highlight reels, get those out across the social media. I think that would be a really great piece of content to get people engaging and understanding what's going on. And you could drop that across the whole of the weekend, whether it be mm-hmm. again, like the Colts, the under 15s all the way down to the minis just some little uh box pops uh, little yeah. insights to the people and saying look what do you think it's a really nice way to show what's happening let our fans and our members know that aren't maybe at the club every weekend what's happening but then also putting some faces to names and really understanding who these people are getting to chat to the guys that are playing so if joel drake scores an amazing hat trick on a home game we have a chat with him after 
game and have a nice little interview with him. It doesn't need to be long, but just asking about how did it go? Just little yeah. things like that. I think just take it a little bit forward as we move into the 21st century. Um, the post-match presentations when Alan gives the Man and the Match Awards out at home games. I think about what you see at the end of the games on BT Sports, something like that, where you just ask a few questions and get a little bit of a more stage to it. It just gives a little bit more glamour, I think, is the thing. I think it would be really nice, and I think a lot of members would potentially enjoy that. Yeah, and you can push them out of short little snippets and highlights, yeah. tries. Yeah, I get it. No, it's a good idea. Yeah. It's a good idea. It's, it's nice things that were on there too to be do. It's just, I think, with so much media able to be produced and so easily nowadays, whether it's some guys with their phones all the way down to having a really good digital camera and just doing some editing and getting it turned around within 24 mm. hours. It's just really good, I think, to be able to show people this is what we're doing. Yeah. And I feel it could actually help set us apart from other local clubs that aren't really embracing media as well as they could at the moment. I mean, I know different clubs around the area are all in different stages and different levels in terms of leagues and also potentially challenges of what's going on with lockdown. But I think with everything we've got in terms of the facilities, the great future of players that we've got in front of us and the calibre of squad that we've got at the moment, it's a great time, I think, to really tie that all in and really show that we are a 21st century club and we're going places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's that's good. I mean, I guess maybe I'll use this as a plea out. If anyone's got uh, some time to help put that sort of content together and take some ownership of that, then give me a shout. I'm sure I can help do it. Um, I've learned how to do audio editing over the last few months. I haven't done any video editing yet, although my... Um, 13-year-old son is pretty good at editing his stuff on his PlayStation and showed me how to do some video editing on there. But um, if anyone's yeah. got those yeah. sorts of skills, uh, <laughs> we'd love to, to hear and let's see how we can we can get something together and uh, start to push that type of content out. Um, that could be good. It could be very good. And uh, it does help bring things together, even if uh, on a Monday lunchtime or a Monday morning you're at work and you think, oh, I don't want to be here. Maybe the social media might provide a nice welcome distraction. And if, you, if, you, if you're Joel Drake and you just scored a hat-trick at the weekend, then uh, you can watch the video of you scoring that hat-trick again. Again and again <laughs> so, and again. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, indeed. So what, what, um, you went travelling. Um, uh, you mentioned, where, do you, where did you travel to? I just went to Thailand. Uh, I was originally plan to travel the world i've had it all booked up i was all ready to go but then um my job offer came up and i had a really small window so i ended up just going to thailand instead mm-hmm. which was phenomenal probably the most amazing place i've ever visited um been lucky to go to other great places in the world since mm-hmm. but there was just something about thailand's nature the um same same different culture that they have was just really quite eye-opening for me yeah. it was a completely different way of life and i think it was a really nice way to kind of mark my changes from being a student and just kind of getting through a few jobs and just going hand to mouth in terms of getting enough cash to yeah. afford a few beers at the weekend and go play rugby and then go travel a bit come back get into the career properly, get into playing rugby properly and just start really focusing on 
growing up a bit, I suppose. So, and, well, as much as you do when you're 25, anyway. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah sure. So, I mean, so uh, you, you you sort of mentioned about playing rugby there, and um, uh, have you always played at Harlow, or have you played anywhere else? No. So um, much to a lot of my friend at the club's uh, dismay, I actually started my career at Bishop Saltford. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I didn't. I was a bit. I was a latecomer to the game. I didn't really start playing until I got sixth form. Mm-hmm. I went to sixth form at uh, the Boys High in Stalford, and they were just on a. Well, they probably still are, to be fair. A big <laughs> rugby drive at the moment, and if you didn't really play rugby, you didn't really get to do much sport or anything. And I really wanted to get involved, so I just kind of dived in. Yeah, and found a love of it very, very quickly. Um, progressed quite well within the first term of being there. I'd gone from being in the third team thinking that well, this is all right, I don't mind this, to being up playing first team and getting to travel up or down the country in uh, the Daily Mail Cup. So that was really, really cool. And the love of the game just moved on from there. But actually, by schooling and starting in Salford, most of my friends from school were at Bishop Salford Rugby Club. Mm-hmm. So I just migrated there with them to play with them. Um, it was interesting because at the time we could never beat Harlow and that went on probably for <laughs> most of my career at Bishop Salford, no matter who we could play and we could beat, whether it be locally, around hearts, around the surrounding borders, and all the way up, we could pretty much hold our own with most teams. Well, I mean, Harlow, you, could, you could probably say, I mean, I played in the side when Ben Jarvis was captain. We did, we won one hmm. game that season, uh, and it was against Bishop Stalford, and it was the last time our first teams played each other, I think. So yeah. uh, you, yeah. you can cling on to the fact that uh, Harlow, Harlow beat Stalford the last time we played. <laughs> yeah, <but that's laughs> no, they've exactly evolved it. somewhat since then, <laughs> but yes. But even still, I still remember my first game uh, coaching with the Saints so this was what four five years ago now mm-hmm. and our first pre-season friendly was against Bishop Stortford's third team and they brought down clearly a squad of players that were on the fringe of that first and second team senior squad that they have at Bishop Stortford mm-hmm. and they were all in the third team to get some game time and I'm there and I'm looking at the names on the sheet knowing what I know from the guys that still at Bishop Stortford and thinking Oh, this is a really good squad we're up against here. Mm-hmm. We've got a real challenge on our hands. But the guys dug in uh, as much as uh, it's maybe not mentioned as much anymore, but that Harlow dog that people talk about and that red man spirit, the guys really rose to the occasion. And we ended up beating them 34-28. You remember the score? Wow. Wow. Yeah, just, but it was just yeah. such a wow moment. You're looking at it and it, it felt like if we walked out on the pitch, just kind of, it was the third team's first season back in a proper league mm-hmm. as opposed to playing social as they had done before. This was our first friendly. He walked out and he thought, oh, wow, this could be a real David and Goliath moment. But mm-hmm. actually, Goliath was just going to spank us. But <laughs> no, the guys were phenomenal. And the spirit in the team and the way that they all played for each other and didn't get up was brilliant. Uh-huh. The lads from Bishop Stortford could not get their heads around the fact that they were being beaten by what probably looked like to them a ragtag <laughs> makeshift team of some old boys that should be retired 
some young guys that have barely played and a couple of guys in the middle. But that spirit just brought all the boys together and it was phenomenal. I remember finishing the game, the skipper come running over, uh, John Gag, who was coaching with me at the time, we just hugged. He's like, wow, how did we just do that as our first game? We've just beaten a championship team and the calibre of players coming down, they are going to be playing championship rugby at some point. Yeah. 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 So uh, that's, and I think that's what has been the difference for me. And that's why I came to Harlow. I got to the point that my son was newly born. Uh, it was a struggle to get from London to home, then over to Bishop's Store for twice a week, then get back, have some tea and try and get up and go back through that cycle again to go to work. Then Saturdays, we were traveling further and further away and starting to head further north and further south every week mm-hmm. for game time and I just wasn't getting to spend any time with my family and I wasn't really enjoying it as the caliber of the players coming through and what the club were trying to achieve which was getting our standards were getting higher and higher I didn't have enough left in my tank at 30 years old trying to be a new dad and cope with all the commutes to push against that anymore that actually you know what this isn't fun anymore i want to go back and play rugby for fun we were living in harlow i I was born and bred in harlow but we came back and moved here when we left london and it was just a natural progression and i just went back and i started playing with the saints as the four team that it was then and it was brilliant it was just fun again just go out and enjoy it and be laughing with the guys on the pitch not living and dying whether we win a game or not if we don't win okay everyone loves to win but you know what let's put up a great fight and really enjoy ourselves and when we finish and we go in that bar we'd be in there as a team together Mm -hmm. all the things that when we're trying to bring the kids up and trying to show them the good things about rugby they were there was that camaraderie that group of friends that will always be there for you no matter what happens and that was Again, just coming back straight away, I just realised this is the club that I want to be at and finish my playing days at because it's just so much more family-like, probably the best way to describe it. That's uh, it's interesting, uh, the, the, the way that you described that journey. I mean, I can confirm, boys are still rugby mad and my both my boys are uh, sort of in year 9 and 10. They, they start their rugby training Oh, well, they started their rugby training, the school lessons and things already. But on Saturday morning, they're they're, they're doing it this week, um, and so uh, um, that they're, they're still mad about it. And they're, I think, one of the only schools to be actually doing some rugby training at all at the moment, which is uh, mm, yeah. just goes to show how, how rugby mad are they. So it's good to hear that 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 they laid the seed uh, and yeah. it, it took you to Stalford, and then it's it's brought you to Harlow and and really starting into that team there. Uh, that Saints team to start off with there. So I, I was going to ask, what, what position do you play? So at uh, Bishop Stortford, I was very much front row. And to my blessing and curse, I could play all across the front row. So you would end up dotting mm-hmm. in as needed or spending quite a bit of time on the bench because you could cover the whole of the front row. Yeah. But that was great. But when I came to Harlow, um, and again with that Saints team, when I came down... There were quite a few guys that were already playing in that front row and well-established. So mm. since I've been at Harlow, I've just been lucky enough to play back row quite a bit, which has been quite fun to just actually 
get out and run around a bit and see mm-hmm. what happens when you're not face down in a pile of mud with <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know, you've moved about a bit in the, the positions yeah. uh, are you still playing at the moment or have you sort of retired from playing no pretty much retired now I am, my knees just haven't really got it in me anymore I've had uh, operations on both my knees and it's just really not got a lot there mm-hmm. um, I got to the point that I was playing and running out on a Saturday and I still couldn't train or walk properly come Thursday mm-hmm. and it was just then it was like right enough's enough I can't afford to be getting another injury or really hurting myself and being out of work not being able to travel or anything so I had to make the call to just ease back on the playing um, I still do the odd game so if the mm-hmm. vet's call me up I'll happily go and have a little run around for the vets um, I play quite a bit for the Council Crusaders a friend of mine helped set up that charity so I'll always go and play for him when they've got mm-hmm. a game on and I have much to my wife's dismay ended up putting on the boots a couple of times last season just to help out when we've been short of numbers but it's purely just as a last resort if there's no one else available then I'll stick the boots on but yeah mm-hmm. I'm certainly not looking to make a proper comeback anytime yeah. soon <laughs> So uh, while you've been playing rugby for all this time, have you um, have you picked up any nicknames along the way? Ah, oh, so there's been various. So at university, um, I was super kept, um, purely because I would just be able to drag most of the team around most of the bars in Leeds without <laughs> getting too uh, inebriated so oh. Kev would always get the guys home so a, f- a friend of mine uh, uh, Phil Benson went to uh, Leeds University and he, yeah. he he lived in uh, the second most burgled street in the country I don't know if that I can't remember what that street was but maybe if you <laughs> you were around there I don't know if you that that street jumps to mind there does it? No, I know I know the street because I know Phil and Phil was one of the reasons why I went to Leeds the stories that he told oh, me about really? how great it was was why I chose to go there. Uh, I think it's like around Hyde Parkway where Phil was. I was up closer to the cricket ground, which was quite nice. But <laughs> also a great excuse to go have a drink after the cricket or the rugby league or the rugby union. So I went I went to stay with him once up there. And uh, uh, I remember coming out uh, of his house and then going down the road, there was a, a pub there. He said, come on, come in. And there was a couple of pool tables and stuff. But as we came in, there was literally a guy at the door standing there with a broken off uh, pool cue in his hand, just slapping it in his his hand as we came in. And I'm like, all right, guys, how you doing? And I was like, well, that's, that's a friendly, chirpy, uh, yeah. big bouncer guy for, for that sort of thing. And uh, But I didn't, didn't ever <laughs> did never go back uh, after that but uh, interesting place nice curries nice curries there, yeah. Yeah, yeah really good so. curries and mm-hmm. back in bars as well um, I'm surprised Phil never had you doing the Otley run or you went to visit oh I don't think so not not that time uh, we didn't we did we didn't uh, we didn't go back I don't think but uh, there we go sorry I interrupted you with the, what, what other nicknames did you pick up so that was probably the one that stuck the most at university. And while I've been with Harlow and the Saints, it's mostly been things like um, Missing Link. Um, generally, normally got quite a big beard. So if people want to work out who I am as they hear me talking, it's normally that guy around the club with the big beard. So Missing Link has been one that's stuck around quite a bit. And um, some of the boys that know me quite well uh, will still call me um, Stalford Slitter. So, um, yeah, I'm the other one along with Paul Prindable. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's always a spare. He's a ginger spare. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I didn't know we were going to go down that route, but let's let's uh, let's bring it back to someone else. I, I think we we both know rather well. I mean, what mm. were your f- thoughts when you first heard Dave Stradling give a team talk? Well, um, <laughs> it's interesting because um, Strad's um, legend kind of preceded himself. And I knew of him long before I came to Harlow. Um, I'm pretty sure I probably had the pleasure of running up against him uh, for for twos at some mm-hmm. point. Um, so, yeah, kind of knew who he was and what he was like as a person, or at least what the legend was meant to be before I met him. <laughs> but um, going into that change room for the first time and hearing Strad's in Strad's finest glory where every second word is an F-bomb. Uh, <laughs> yep. Every person in the other team has been named every expletive under the sun. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. The, the, the stories are true. This guy is exactly what people say he is. And <laughs> but um, I think actually since getting to know Dave and getting to know him really, really well and playing with him uh, over a few years and then playing, having him play for me as a player, mm-hmm. I actually think he's one of those guys that every team and every club needs. He might be really loud and brash and a bit like Marmite and you love him <laughs> or you hate him. But actually, when it comes to game day and you put him on that, in that changing room and then you put him out on that pitch, regardless of what physical state he might look like he is and he might feel like he is, he flicks that switch and out of nowhere, he just seems to roll the clock back for 20-odd years and he can do the things he's always done. He will always break a game line he will always get that pass off mm-hmm. granted the length of time he can laugh on that pitch has got shorter <laughs> gonna, and shorter over the years say, yeah it'll give you an excellent 10 minutes uh. yeah but i think he's actually done really really well i mean i think for me as a coach uh as much as the second team did major things last year it was really really good to be in a promotion battle and i'm sure we're going to say a bit more in a bit mm-hmm. It was really nice to have players like Dave Stradlin find himself again and really, really start to push himself and realise, wow, I can still play second team rugby at Mm -hmm. 43, 44 years of age. And not just playing because he's making up the numbers, but actually playing and starting because he deserves that shirt and he (laughs) is playing really, really well. And I think that's what being at this club and having players like Dave Brown makes it so special. He will go down in Harlow Rugby as a legend, probably not for the reasons that he'd like them to in terms of playing. I think actually, I, I think we'll spell it legend, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> actually, but a persona and the legend and almost the caricature of Dave Stradlin. <laughs> He's is, his own caricature, yeah, absolutely. Is, but, I think it's brilliant, and it's people like that that I think make this club so special. So yeah, I, I think that he's great. I've got a lot of time for him. Um, I love his team talks. I can't wait for the next, <laughs> next game where he'll walk in late. He'll use up at least six bottles of deep heat to try and get his hamstrings going again. Uh-huh. Expletives, 10-minute cameo, and off he goes. But 
fantastic. That is what Dave Sadlin is all about. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. That's enough about him. Let's move on. Yeah, Let's move yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, have you been on any good tours? Oh, some good tours. I think the last good, good tour that I went on was my last year in Leeds. After that, everything started to get a little bit more professional and Bishop Stortford tours were very much about we're going to play, we're going to actually enjoy ourselves on the pitch. And the social side of touring wasn't quite as prevalent as I was used to being. Um, but we went to um, Amsterdam for a Beat Sevens tournament. Um, we travelled out on coach all the way from Leeds down to Dover, took the ferry and then drove all the way up. So it was about 24 hours of driving on a coach with 30 lads. And it was the England-Brazil quarterfinal in the 2002 World Cup. Mm-hmm. So we had it on the radio. Uh, we had more beer that we could imagine. And it was a mess. By the time we would got to Dover, we'd been knocked out of the World Cup. Guys had been in tears on the bus. There were just empty cans everywhere. We hadn't even left the country yet. It's like, oh, wow. So this kind of set the standard of where it needs to go. And um, I was club captain that year, so it was my responsibility to make sure everyone behaved. The bus drivers were kept happy. They didn't want to kick us off and just leave us at Dover. Um, so it's quite a bit of responsibility. But at the same time, I want to be enjoying a tour and watching the football and having a beer. So it's a real juggle. So we kind of got ourselves there. As we got to Calais, the bus driver's like, right, okay, we need everyone to calm down a bit now. We're on the, we're on the continent. We can't be quite as boisterous. Mm-hmm. We're going to take you around to the hypermarket. Go and get your beer for the weekend. That's fine. But can we just have a couple of you come off the bus, the, the more sensible ones, go and get it and get back? Yeah, mm-hmm. no problem at all. No problem at all. Um, we've all got off. There's me, it's a couple of the captains, and the social sector have gone over. Right, we'll deal with all this. Get it all ordered. As we've come back, the fire exit of the bus has opened and uh, a <laughs> guy that has now been renamed and rechristened the human germ <laughs> fell out the back of the bus. Um, no clothes on. <laughs> oh, I mean, standard. Yeah. Why, why would you? Head it's shaved. Only, only stuff you have to wash. Yeah. <laughs> Head, Head shaved and permanent blue marker all over him. Uh, all his head his face glasses silly massages everything you do when someone falls asleep Um, but I think the best bit was across his back in big bold letters someone had written I hate the Dutch (laughs) okay let's just um, get him dressed get him on put him to sleep let's get to Holland let's go and play some rugby (laughs) and maybe try and sober up a little bit by the time we get there maybe (laughs) ambitious ambitious Ambitious, very ambitious but we get there it's fine everyone kind of enjoys the first night there we get up and we organize a team to think right okay we've got our winning team right here these are the guys are really going to go out and do something really for us as a university on the map Mm -hmm. we've got our good team here these guys are going to do well anything they can achieve is better and then we've got our drinking team and they all kind of just wanted to be the drinking team. They're like, right, just let's go have fun. We don't really want to play. Um, 
a good team, the elite team, as it were, went through, got all the way to the finals. Um, oh, okay. So they did take it seriously. I was expecting you to go another way with that. No, no, no. They really, really did take it seriously. Um, got all the way to the finals. We only lost the final because our captain had spent the night before the finals going around to all the opposition and making do drinking fines. <laughs> Little did we know for every drink that they drank, he was drinking one as well. Yeah. <laughs> First tackle he receives in the final, shoulder straight into the gut, a whole night's worth of cider and blackcurrant had just poured out all over the beach. He spilt the ball. The opposition had scored off the back of it and they just never looked back from there. So that was a sight in itself. Um, but then... It sounds like a fantastic team, leadership, to be honest. Leader I think it went really, really well and I think it just set me up for life, to be honest. But then um, the good team, as it were, were terrible. Absolutely awful. Lots of injuries. Lots of people just not wanting to get involved. But then the drinking team actually managed to go through and win the plate. Completely unexpected. Um, Couldn't believe it. And these guys were still coming down to the pitch to play the final with cans of beer in their hands. Some hadn't even gone home uh, from the night before. But somehow they managed to pull that win out of the bag. So... Mm -hmm. That was a brilliant tour, and I think the it last, it. the last great balance of good rugby and good social that I've yeah. seen on. Yeah. I've heard some of the Harlow tours of old are legendary. Were you going to go away on the, the the senior tour that we had planned this year? I was planning to, yeah, but obviously yeah. with everything that's come down, it's kind of gone a little bit um, array. I'd love to try and get one organized i'd love to try and get a few teams out to go and do the magaluf beach sevens that looks brilliant i've been out to watch a couple of times uh-huh. and i think that'd be great to go yeah. out and actually see how we could all do on the sand and then go and enjoy it and do that socially in the evenings well there, uh, there is a senior a- tour whatsapp group at the moment for a, a few people i think kev ellis has said set it up and yeah. um uh, I'm sure we can get you added into to that group if you're not in there. But there, there's talk about trying to arrange another tour there uh, to replace the one we had. But maybe mm. maybe we should aim higher than going down to, uh, where was it? Uh, down to Devon somewhere or Cornwall, I forget. No, Torquay we were supposed to be going to, wasn't it? Right. And, right. Uh, and, and change it and so that we go to the Magaluf 7s. So that might be quite fun. I'm trying instead, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it could be, it could be. There we go. So let's have a chat about... Um, some of the things that you're doing in your role as the, the Rams manager at the moment. I mean, yeah. I mean, how did you get into that? So it was just kind of um, a bit of a progression. So, so, so I've been helping out coaching with the Saints for a few years and we've been trying to get everyone kind of more integrated. It was kind of um, the Saints were training on one side of the pitch. The ones and twos were training on the other pitch. And it was during Tom Hughes' first season. And you mm-hmm. look at it and you think, well, they haven't got many guys over there. We haven't got many guys over here. Surely it just makes more sense for everybody for us to get back to training together, try and build a bigger squad, try and get a bit more of a uniform playing style across all the teams. And we take it from there. So the first efforts were just to try and bring 
the third team in more with the seconds and the ones to build a all-encompassing group, um, which was going really, really well. But kind of off that, um, Tom and I think Tuts and Westy had been chatting about how they could bring someone on that would help develop the Rams a little bit more and try and open up that through flow of players. Mm -hmm. So whether it be Colts coming up or guys coming up from threes into the twos and also helping manage the expectations of ones coming down and try and be a little bit more engaged with what Tom and Wesley were trying to achieve as a first team, what the third team's expectations were in terms of whether the guys wanted to just play socially or if they wanted to actually try and develop their game and go further up the team. Mm-hmm. But then also come up with a second team that could actually be really, really competitive. Um, I know for a f- couple of seasons, um, and Tom was quite honest about this while he was his time as head coach, that they kind of had to plunder the twos, normally midweek, most weeks, to help fill that first team squad. Mm-hmm. So the twos were having to try and beg, steal and borrow players from everywhere to be able to have a game on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. There was giving them no cohesion and no sort of regularity of players as such. So they weren't really finding any traction of their games. So by trying to put this new structure in place, we were hopeful that it would help put that regularity in, start building a good second team squad that could just as easily go and fit in with the first team and play first team rugby, but also play down and support the third team as and when needed and that was the aim for us and then with Owen and the Colts restarting up last year as well finding the opportunities to get those boys games so as they're turning 18 and they're breaking out of the Colts giving them an opportunity to come and play senior rugby and actually have something to aim for and to strive for um, I know probably you like me Paul when you finish up with Colts there was a progression and you jump straight in and you would go in and you'd either go in a third team or go in a second team. Or a fifth team back then. Fifth team to turn up with your kit and sort of uh, hope for a game on a Saturday. Who's who's short, where they're going and uh, jump in someone's car, go somewhere, um, play a game. We used to do that quite a lot. Yeah, Yeah, it felt like we hadn't really got that in place. Mm -hmm. But I think the other challenge that we had um, is trying to keep some of these guys engaged when they mm-hmm. finish at Colt sometimes because there is the bright lights of potentially university or going to work or mm-hmm. actually other clubs locally if it's felt that maybe they've got a better or more established route to play once you give mm-hmm. up Colts rugby yep. it's been a challenge so I think by getting this in place it's given us a real opportunity to show these young lads whether they are say, coming from Colts or coming up from the third team and coming back to rugby and realizing actually I want to play a bit higher mm-hmm. or even back to older guys that might think actually you know what I've still got a bit left in the tank I want to try it out and see if I can push it yeah yeah, we've got Owen on next week um, I mean Coin to talk about what's going on in the Colts and so uh, there's quite a lot of boys in there um, sort of coming through as well, so uh, we can we we can 
I can dive into that with him next week. But it sounds it sounds like you really enjoy the 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 interaction with people and uh, um, and sort of working together, making sure you're getting people to it it's to do the right thing at the right time, sort of thing. Uh, is that a bit of the, yeah. about the job that you enjoy the most? I think definitely for me. Um, I think the one thing that really stands out, whether you're coaching rugby or my job managing people or even just being in a social circle is relationships. If you can get really good relationships, um, it would be myself with players, players with players uh, across different teams, different age brackets. Um, that's when you start to get the best out of people and it starts to work really, really well. And it feels like we started to, to get that last year in the Rams and that really showed in the results that we were starting to pull out and the fact that actually, and I said, we were finding ourselves in a promotion battle. Uh, if lockdown hadn't occurred, we would have gone into the cup run for mm-hmm. the league, which would have been really good and really exciting for us. And I believe we would have probably got ourselves to the final for that as well. So I think it's great that we are building that group and that squad that's really, really good. You go now, whether you're in the gym, uh, down at the club, or you are just out in town and you see the guys in the pub together, they've got some real unity, um, something that wasn't maybe there a couple of seasons ago. And I think that's what's really helping bring out the best across not just the Ram squad, but all the squads now. If you look at the fact that, I know Mike is really keen to have it that this year, regardless of whether you're playing first team or second team, you've got the same skill set mm-hmm. and you can bounce between the teams as deemed necessary. There's no, as much as it's a step up in terms of um, prestige, being able to play for your first team, in terms of that skill set, the guys should be able to play at the same level. And that's our, our aim to get these guys playing as best they can so that we can have two title contending teams this year and really pushing to try and achieve something. And then hopefully with what, Paul Crab's doing with 13 this year, they're going to get themselves in a good place and they can move forward and they want to be able to help them as best we can and support them so that they can get themselves back to winning ways and hopefully turn the tide after what happened to them last season. I think yeah. it was a bit of a challenge for them, but it'd be really good to see them back up fighting as well. So it'd be really good. So, I mean, the way you've described the role there, um, it's more than just picking the team and uh, saying, uh, making the phone calls. It's, it's a bigger... It's a bigger job than uh, than than perhaps some people would have thought. Does that? I mean, yeah. how much how much time do you spend on that each week? Uh, well, for me, I am um, coaching with Mike and the first team coach every mm. week, and they're supporting them and working with them to ensure that I said what we're doing across the whole squad reflects what we're doing. Um, then selections there, and then Saturdays, and then communicating with the boys. It is. Um, a daily task, whether it's be at the training or just communicating with the boys. But I think to get the best out of the guys, you've got to put the best in as well. You can't just look at it as a, like, I'm just going to pick the team and then I'll talk to more on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Being there, interacting with them at training Tuesdays and Thursdays, coaching them, helping them develop, helping them understand what they want to achieve, whether it's, again, the Colts coming up or it's, season players that I spot something on season I think might be able to help them a little bit I think it just really helps all of us and it helps build that relationship yeah 
So how, how does it work with this selection? Um, do you turn up with your ideal team and, uh, and um, go from there? Or how, do, <laughs> how does the movement I, work? <laughs> I will always have uh, an ideal team in my head going into selection. Mm. But uh, as we go in, it will always be a case that um, we'll look at the whole pool um, mm. across the senior teams. And Micah's first team head coach will look at his team first and he will take priority and he will look at what he wants to do to put into his team there. Off the back of that, we'll then work through the rounds and see who we want to put in where. If there are players that are potentially playing down because they are coming back from injury mm-hmm. or there's something that they need to work on, we'll see how we'll fit them in. But then at the same time, make sure it doesn't have an impact on that Ram squad as such. Mm-hmm. But so that relationship we have with the ones and twos now, it's not as big a challenge anymore because they are all at that game skill set and all kind of working together. And then from there, it's a case of then just trying to work with um, Krabby and Tasha to make sure that the first team we've got the players that they need and what they need to have able to get through each weekend. If there are lads that we're able to support them with, or we'd like to make sure we get some game time with them, we'll then communicate that. So it's very much um, a waterfall effect to try and make sure that everyone's getting the best possible team every week that we can do. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, it, it sounds, uh, I think there was a period of time where there wasn't that much communication between the, the, the all of the teams and what was going on. It sounds like that's been sort of rectified now and, and uh, having those conversations is, is, is perhaps easier. It's probably not quite so easy when you have to tell someone that they're not playing in the team that they'd like to be playing in. And I appreciate that's always yeah. going to be the case. But um, but uh, it sounds like we're doing a lot there to sort of plug those holes and, like you say, that um, that connection, that spirit the, across the club mm. is, is coming as a result, which is which is great to hear. So, yeah, yeah, it's certainly I mean, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned about going down to the the, the Saints and uh, uh, as well with Tasha and Krabby. So uh, there there is a ability to to move players uh, around and, and fill those slots. I guess if someone wants to get involved, they're not specifically getting involved with the Rams. They'd be getting involved with senior rugby and and coming down and and seeing where they want to be and and where we can that's sort of work them in. Isn't certainly, it? That's certainly a way that we are trying to build it. Is to come down. Everybody is welcome. It Mm -hmm. is very much a case of rugby is for all. Um, It's still an amateur game for us. We're not um, paying players or anything like that to become down. So it's welcome for anybody. I mean, I dragged my brother out of retirement last year at 39 years of age. He expected to just be playing with the third team. I expect him to be playing with the third team as well. He ended Mm -hmm. up running out for the first team in the cup a couple of times. So... It just goes to show if you are there and you're putting in the effort and you're being recognised for your endeavour and your skill set, the chances are there very much so. And I'd like to think with what we're looking to try and do this year, should the season ever start, that will only keep improving and only keep getting better for players because we want there to be opportunities. Um, Mm -hmm. Personally, I've always felt that if you're going to play rugby while you can strive to be the best player you can and play as high up a club, whatever club it is, as you possibly can do. Um, 
appreciate if you're a bit older and you're maybe not as inclined and competitive anymore, <laughs> find the level that suits you. Mm-hmm. But while you've got it and that drive is there, grab it with both hands because there will always be opportunities. You're certainly a long time retired. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll be done. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, I mean, what what sort of changes do you see coming down uh, to the sort of playing side of um, senior rugby? Uh, so, I think for us, it's just about trying to be a little bit more um, supportive, I think, is the main thing that we're looking to do is we had a really good, really set game plan last year, but it was very very set you want to try and just make it a bit more expansive but to do that you've got to make sure that the support is there so a lot of what we've been working on for these past six weeks we've been back is about that support play how do you get there and make sure that you're there so that that speculative pass from last season actually becomes a banker pass so that you are not then dealing with a knock-on you're then looking at a try scoring situation Mm -hmm. so they're the kind of things that we're trying to get instilled across the club. And that sort of gameplay works its way down, whether it's first team on a Saturday, the Colts or the teenagers, teenage boys on a Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, all the way down to the minis. It's about that play for each other. It's a weird one. You look at minis rugby and they're very much encouraged to be a team, support each other, really work hard. And I know I look at the work that yourself and Rondo are doing with your team and it's great that you're building that spirit about play together, play as a team, support each other. Mm-hmm. But it feels like there's been, I don't want to say a generation, but there's been a few years where that may have kind of got lost, not just at Harlow, but I think in rugby generally. And everyone's just a little bit more cutthroat and trying to play for themselves. And I think if we can bring that team ethos and that club ethos and that support whether it's support in defence, support in attack, or just support from the sideline because you're on the bench for the team or you're a fan around the team, it just makes everything work a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Good. I think we've got some really exciting times ahead of us, here, both in the mm. short term and the sort of medium uh, term as well from what I can see it's happening at the moment, which is, which is great. Which kind of leads me on to the question I kind of ask as I'm coming to the end of these podcasts to a lot of people. If, if money was no object, uh, what do you think the club should be investing in? For me, I think the one that would really, really make a difference for us and be almost like the cherry on the cake would be um, 4G pitch or mm. 4G pitches to be more exact. I think the facilities and what we have at the club in terms of space, changing rooms, the ability to put out Sometimes it looks like a hundred mini teams on a Sunday morning, <laughs> right yeah. through to all of the older boys playing out on a Sunday, the ladies' teams, the senior teams. That's great. But our pitches really take a beating off the back of it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it would definitely be dropping in those 40 pitches and being able to go out and run all weather rugby. Mm-hmm. And the other side of that as well is having played against Eton Manor quite a lot last season and their 4G pitch, mm-hmm. it gives you a great home advantage because you are able to play that pitch better than others. And I think with the kind of running rugby that we have available to us in the right conditions, it would really suit us at the club to have a pitch like that available to play on every week. 
this is this is where I'm frantically going to our club website to check our results for last year because I'm pretty sure we beat it in Manor last year uh, on that uh, 4G pitch. This is under yeah, 15 yeah. Yeah, or under 14 sort of thing. So uh, yeah. I'm frantically okay. now just trying to quickly look that up and see if we did. It, mm. it's, it's there. Normally I know these things off the top of my head, um, but I seem to recall that we did. He says quickly looking, Eater Manor, Eater Manor, where is it? Oh, I can't find them. I can't find them. Yeah. I know so, after the Rams team, it was one of those we just, that have bounce of the ball and stuff like that. They could just read it a little bit better than us. And it's just like, wow, just those little snips. And you can't help notice it across the teams that do have it. Saracens in the Premiership, their 4 mm-hmm. pitch, they just always look to be that little bit better when they're at home because they know how to play that pitch so much better. Yeah, no, indeed. And I've just found it as you did that. So thank you for filling that, that moment for me. No problem. We were the under 14s beat to Manor 31 15 last year at their uh, at their place. So uh, I seem to remember we were not doing so well at half time. And then we came mm. back. Oh, it was in the Waterfall Cup as well. There we go. Anyway, sorry. Brilliant. I digress. Yeah, we were yeah we were 15 7 down at half time. And we came back to uh, 31 15. So yeah, quite a turnaround there. Great, yeah. great stuff. Yeah. Oh, good day. Um, so, um, what what makes you proud about our club? Um, I think for me, it is the um, all-encompassing nature. It really is a club for everybody. Um, you're always welcome. Alan, as a chairman, knows everybody will stop and talk to you whether you are <laughs> the, the, a the chairman's tracy or chairperson's tracy sorry, sorry. <laughs> you mean alan price the president don't alan you? Price, president. <laughs> oh yes president yes. <laughs> yeah. better edit that and change that yeah <laughs> alan price the president will happily walk around and talk to anybody whether it's a mm-hmm. mum for the minis through to one of the season supporters to a new guy that just had his first game for the third team which i think is a brilliant um my wife and my son come up regularly because they don't have much choice and yeah. they just get it like home. It mm. always feels like a family and a home whenever we walk into the club. And I think so, that's what it means. I, I, I meant to ask, does, does your does your son play as well? Uh, no, he's not yet. Um, I have under strict instructions for my wife to not push yeah. and let him make a decision in his own time. Mm. I think he would be brilliant because he's a bit of a man mountain and he'll be very very strong I think I could see him being a second row at the moment mm-hmm. but he's just not inclined yet he'll sit and he'll watch with me and he'll come and support every week on a Saturday and yeah. I just can't get him to put that kit on yet uh, my nephews do all my nephews are in the minis and they think it's yeah. brilliant but I oh, just good. can't get him to get involved no <laughs> maybe one day hopefully he'll be like me and be a late developer yeah, one day when the time's right, you can't you got the right. You can't force these things. Um, and so, what are you looking forward to? Um, as hopefully we we start to increase our uh, what we can do at rugby and that sort of thing. What what are you looking forward to? I think for me, it's just to get the boys out playing again. They have been amazingly patient and amazingly receptive of what we've been doing with them during lockdown it would be very very easy for them to just step aside and say look you know what it's still god knows how many weeks until we start playing when you give me a date then i'll come and start training but they've all just really got their heads down worked hard and for me it would just be the reward of letting them be able to go out and actually play a competitive game and 
if they can then start putting into place what we're giving them as coaches at the moment, that's just going to be even better. But I think for me right now, it's just really seeing the boys go out and play and enjoy themselves again. And I think that's the key thing. Because we're kind of already there. Yeah. Said right at the start. Seeing the minis out training at weekends and all the age groups, all of the girls, everything all out training, that's brilliant. But it's just that next step, giving everyone that chance to go out and play the game that they love would be really good. Yeah. No, um, I, I think that's something that we are all very much looking forward to, get out and play some games. But I, I, I think uh, we're going to hear be, hearing more soon from Ken Potter and, and Tucks, who are organising some Friday night 10s rugby. Um, so I imagine that the Rams will be taking part in that and, uh, well, the senior squad in general, really, won't they? Absolutely, yeah. I'd certainly like to. I mean, it'd be, it's a great opportunity to get out. I know, obviously, we haven't been able to do Bullies 10 tournament this year because mm-hmm. of lockdown but it's always been a highlight at the club to have that tennis tournament to, to be able to get out and play some games in that format and get the boys running around with the ball will be fantastic mm-hmm. there'll be a great uptake i'm sure yeah friday night's floodlit at harlow i think is the, the, the sort of strap line for that but, but i'm sure i got that slightly wrong and they'll correct me so yeah that, that's fine so that's, Kev, I mean, that's what they're there for like reminding me who the chairman and who the president is <laughs> absolutely <yeah. laughs> There we go. Um, all right. Well, Kev, thank you very much for your time today. It's been great to uh, have this little catch up and uh, uh, and get to know you a little bit more as well. The uh, best of luck with the, the the Rams for this coming season, and uh, uh, I can't wait to sort of watch some of the games. And I think these these Friday night games are going to be great to to yeah. to get down and take a watch. So fantastic. Yeah, Thanks, Paul. Really, really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the House of Rams podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and found it interesting. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please get in touch through Facebook or email me direct with your thoughts. If you'd like to appear on one of our podcasts or showcase what you're doing at the club, please email me on paulowenynan at gmail.com or contact me through Facebook. Watch out for our next release and thanks for listening.